This is 20 Questions on Design Lake City, and today we have Michael Clark on the show. Hey, Michael. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thank you for agreeing to participate. And it's pretty cool because we haven't met before, so I'm excited to get to know you through these 20 questions. For everybody's information, I've been following Michael just mostly on um, social media for a while and been pretty impressed with his output, and we'll learn more about what he does um, through 20 questions. So Michael is a technical soft goods designer at Nomadic. Yep. What kind of work do you guys do at Nomadic? So we specialize in the like travel goods space. So like the company started with uh, wallets, just two entrepreneurs. Um, and they launched it on Kickstarter and it took off. And then they came out with like a notebook planner that did well. And then their third product launch was a travel bag they kind of innovated on. And that's when they kind of realized that's like was their main moneymaker. And mm. after that, they hired, they gr- had grown enough, they were able to hire like full time designers. So I was the first full time design hire about three years ago. Mm. And yeah, currently I'm working on a, like a, li- a new line of bags, um, so a photography, some photography bags. We just did a bag with Pete McKinnon. He's like a photographer, kind of YouTube influencer. Um, and then we're also doing a line of masks and, um, some fun stuff around that you'll see as that comes out. And I'm also doing, uh, it's like a, think of like a really cool pocket knife version of, uh, a hand sanitizer vial that mm. you actually want to have in your pocket, not just like a cheap target, you know, little bottle. So we're doing a really like technical, cool, um, hand sanitizer bottle. So that's been fun to, to 3d model and, um, do prototypes in China and we're CNCing pure metal, like pure aluminum, just like aluminum bar. So it's going to be, yeah. Okay. yeah, just kind of a custom one. Um, okay. Well, let's get into 20 questions. Let's do it. All right. So the first set of questions are rapid fire. First thing, do you have a favorite snack? Oh yeah. Um, I love salty, spicy fried corn things like Takis and, uh, Tapatio Doritos, stuff like that. That makes you feel terrible. And it's so good. Corn, <laughs> corn nuts. Does that count? Yeah. Corn nuts are great. Um, so just various salty, spicy things like that. My favorite copy. Um, what is something everyone should do or try at least once in their life? Um, I think climbing a really high mountain and just like going through just, you kind of see your place in the world when you're just out in this month, you know, massive expanse of nature and you, go through a bunch of emotions. It's just good for your soul, you know, to just do a really hard thing like that and reward from it. What's the highest mountain you've climbed? I don't know. I've climbed a lot of the peaks in along the Wasatch front. And I think I climbed one Mount Trapper, the highest peak in Montana. That was cool. Okay. Um, but I'm not like some intense mountain climber. I just kind of. Right. You're, I can, you're, not, so. you're, not, you're not out there with like the gear. You're just, you're out there with some good boots. Yep yeah cool. all right so do you have a favorite quote yeah i there's a quote from winston churchill that i love he said it's something along the lines of an optimist sorry a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity and an optimist sees the opportunity in every like every difficulty or problem so it's just your attitude shift i think it's really important for right now and it's easy to feel just like bogged down during this pandemic and the strange year. Yeah, I feel that. I feel the need to like try to shift, shift, 
shifting to an attitude of optimism. I was thinking about that this morning, actually. And like, if there was some magic, like dessert that I could eat that would <laughs> kick in my optimism, I would do it. <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Right. Dark chocolate. Yeah. Okay. Question four. What is a favorite um, book on like creativity or design that you'd like to share with the audience? Right now, my favorite book is The Unknown Craftsman. And it's, I had a friend recommend it to me. It's only available um, in print. And it's, bas- it's about um, the Japanese perspective on beauty. And it's super interesting because it, it just, it's, um, it taught, so it's the unknown craftsman. If you, if you want to look it up, written yeah. by Sutsu Yanagi. I, yeah, okay. Japanese name. It's just fascinating. Like for example, something I've been caught up on that's super awesome that it points out um, that I've been thinking about this week is that like what's an essential part of beauty and creating beauty and and design in today's modern age is blending handcraft with machine work because the hand can do creative things that the machine can't and the machine can do precision that the hand can't. And I thought that was a really good way to describe kind of, um, kind of the work I do or I'm a lot of industrial designers, you know, cause like, yeah, that's kind of like what that, you, that gives a, like a design, a soul, you know, when there's a lot of handwork behind it and a lot of prototyping and sketching and, um, it just gives it more depth. You know, you can tell when something's just, machined shapes that I don't, don't have much thought in them. Yeah. But I, I like the, um, the opportunity for like happy accidents. Yeah, exactly. Do, do they talk about Wabi Sabi at all in the book? Yeah. Like not like clean, but not too polished basically. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Imperfect and impermanent. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like it should be clean, but not polished, you know, like it's, there's a balance. Rad. What a great recommend. I haven't heard of that. So. Yeah, the Unknown Craftsman. I hadn't either. I found it on Amazon and just ordered the book. It's, I'd recommend it to anyone. It's, it basically talks about, um, has a ton of pottery throughout like huh, throughout okay. history in like Japan and Korea. And it, it, it uses that as a lot of the examples. And like how they're more comfortable with asymmetry in the East. Yeah. We're like in the West, we like, you know, symmetry and things to be balanced and like think greek architecture compared to more like imperfect like uh a bonsai tree you know where they like want it to be asymmetrical and and rough you know Mm. that's nice yeah those east-west comparisons is Mm -hmm. it is it like a newer book or is it is it um kind of last century it yeah it's it's the it's not super old it's yeah. It's not like some, some, no, it's not ancient. It's, no, yeah, but it's a great book. Cool. All right, let's move on to the next question, which is the origin story question. Question five, how did you get your start? Like what was your schooling, training, early employment and you know, your experience in SLC? Like, are you from SLC? Yeah, I grew up here. Um, like you, so I grew up here and I just, I love it here. You know, I grew up, my mom loved skiing and she always, she got us into that. And my dad um, was a mechanical engineer and he loved motors and motorcycles. So he always had us out in the West desert, um, riding dirt bikes, you know, so mountains and the desert were always just something I grew up around and it's what I loved. So, um, so really, yeah, kind of, that's how I got my start is 
through my parents, just fortunate enough. My mom was an interior designer and my dad was like, he was an engineer, like I said. And, um, so I got to see like a really eccentric, um, awesome example of just creativity from my mom. Like she, she's totally the definition of creativity just flows out of her. Just like one idea builds off another. And she's always just like pumping out new ideas and, and fun, colorful things. Um, we disagree because I, she thinks I'm lame because I like things to be earth tones and black and white and more like brutalist looking as far as like my house design, like more minimal. And she's a lot more eccentric and more, she likes French style and a lot of gold and stuff <laughs> and colors. It's beautiful. And she has her way of making it beautiful. And, and that's definitely a style that people love and that's her style. But, um, so yeah, that she was a big part of it. And, um, yeah, my dad, he, started he actually had a startup in the 90s as like a side gig from his regular um he he owned a business and sold like manufacturing equipment but he started this company called glass safe and he um made these really um really strong glass cases and he hand modeled um to, to make the three to make the uh the injection mold he hand modeled them with modeling clay and I remember seeing that when I was young and just being like really excited by that. And I didn't really know what to do with it. You know, I was like, that's cool. It was just like something that was just like fascinating to see, like see his models that then became these injection molds, like in the nineties, you know, cause he didn't do it on a computer. And, um, that was just really cool. So these are things just, I've been like thinking about as I've gotten older, like looking back, like what were some early inspirations I had? And those are definitely two of them from my dad and mom seeing their different things they did. Some amazing exposure. Yeah. As a kid. Uh, yeah. I was luck, lucky course you're a designer in a way <laughs> yeah well, it's funny is like um my dad passed away when i was 12 um unfortunately but my mom you know she was so great and she always encouraged me but she she thought i would just like she thought i should go into business you know I, she didn't tell me to be a designer but she always had me taking art classes so i kind of just was of the opinion like i'm gonna become like business or something i don't know and uh so i ended up you know, painting in high school and I was like doing graphics and like, just like skiing a bunch and skateboarding and riding motorcycles. But I thought all those creative things I was doing were like not careers, you know, it's like, well, I have to go like to college and probably study business. I just wasn't even thinking about it, even though it was like staring at me, you know? Um, so I got to the U and just like kind of floundered for a while. I joined a fraternity and was just having a lot of fun with friends and was like, <laughs> I finally, um, at one point I ended up getting married uh, like three years into college and I just was like hating my classes. I just didn't see the point of them. So I stopped going for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and I helped a friend, he, he opened up like a, a CrossFit gym and I was like, I was all into fitness too. And so I helped him do this gym and I did like the branding for it. And, um, I was doing creative stuff and just kind of taking my, taking a break for a bit. Cause I was like, I got to figure out what I want to study. I'm just spending money at the university of Utah. I'm just like, I'm not that into the business route. And I found, that's when I found the multidisciplinary design program at the U their website and read about it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like it, what the description of it, like want to be entrepreneurial and like make your own products and learn how to, you know, prototype and blah, blah. And I was, you know, I, so I took some, I finally went back and took some classes and was hooked and just decided to dive into that. And that's what I studied. Um, and the, over that, during that whole college process, I did, three internships, um, one at forefront skis. And that was really cool. That was before I had found design. And that was just like, um, I was like in the warehouse shipping skis, but I got to see like, you know, how they're building, making skis. And, um, like I would see them check out the new designs. And that was kind of like the first, like 
I was a little inkling into design. And then I mm. got an internship at Saga Outerwear for a second. Um, they were like, uh, you know, a ski outerwear brand. So I got to right. get a little more exposure there. Um, and then I also was during school, got an internship with um, Black Diamond's technical apparel designer. Tara, oh, she's cool. since she since moved to um, Canada where she's from, but she was super cool because I got to really like dissect technical outerwear with her and see, watch her pick apart, you know, a bad sample, for example, and just like to show me all the flaws of why it would fail. And um, so that that was a really great experience during school to have as well. And mm-hmm. um, so and and along this time, I also met um, a designer who. I was trying to explain to him what I was studying at school. And I said, I was like, I was kind of all over the place. Like I was like, I want to be a hard goods designer and I want to do some bags and I want to do some apparel. And he kind of laughed. I was like, you need to decide what you want to do. Cause you're not being hired to do all those things, you know? Um, like you, you, you need to niche down. And so that, like that advice was really helpful for me at the time. Cause I, I finally decided like, okay, I like soft goods the most. So I need to make sure I have a portfolio that shows soft goods. And that's kind of what I, finally like refocused my last two years of design school. Like I built a portfolio around soft goods to hopefully get a job in that. And nice. sounded like it worked. Yeah. Gosh, luckily. I mean, it was like, it was stressful because I was like, for a while it wasn't. And that's kind of when I started up my Instagram um, after I graduated. Cause I was like applying for jobs everywhere, but I was like, you know, I also probably need to just, I had all these ideas all the time and I was like, I need to just start putting stuff out there and just see what, you know, what it brings back and, um, that's like, was a huge turning point for me because I started just kind of making my own momentum with my own content. And that seemed to be a more powerful portfolio than just sending a portfolio through an email that gets buried, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And luckily, um, it's actually through Kyle who you had on, he introduced me um, to the people at nomadic, um, no and I was able to get, you know, hired. So it's really like the connections from school and like, um, just, not being afraid to put myself out there as I was lucky enough to end up with an awesome gig at nomadic and, and get some, you know, freelance going for the last few years as well. So yeah. yeah man. Awesome. That's a good story. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, sounds like too confusing. <laughs> no way. It's always changing, you know, because you remember more stuff. <laughs> totally, totally. And you're like, how much detail should I offer? But, I know. Um, that's great. Everything that kind of like bounced you back, you know, onto your path and, uh, it sounds like, yeah, you, you, you're having a good time at nomadic right now. And, um, oh, it's great. Yeah. is there, is there like a project? So one of the questions I have is a question that I like, which is, um, is there a project that you think you should be known for, or like maybe your favorite project that would, that would kind of express your signature at this point in your, you know, career? Yeah. One project I'm super proud of is the most recent line of bags that nomadic came out with. I kind of was spearheaded that, it's the nomadic navigator line and it was a line of a bunch of bags. Um, it was like a big travel backpack, um, a two wheeled roller luggage and like a day pack, a collapsible backpack, like a little tech pouch. And it was just a bunch of different products and working with the team on that. It took about, I think it took 19 months to get right. And, um, it was super scary cause we had to launch it um, for cash flow reasons at nomadic during the height of the pandemic when the economy seemed like it was really slowed down and um it luckily it was successful it got funded on kickstarter and um so i'm super proud of that and what the team with the team we were able to make it was ended up really cool right on is there like an easy link or a search term to check those out 
just nomadic.com. It's N-O-M-A-T-I-C.com. You can check it out. The whole line's up if you need to get a little Christmas gift. Okay, so a few more rapid-fire questions. What's a, what's a dream project for you? Like, What's a dream project you'd like to work on? One is I really want to design an awesome house with my wife from scratch good one and i want to do it um without destroying the property I, it would be of course this is a dream but um i'm gunning for it is to find a property that we like that has some matured you know trees and whatnot and try to build around that and not like just devastate the property and just like level it and build a house in the middle of it um that's something and also um a shoe like an athletic shoe would be really cool mm. to bring to fruition like to the end so love it Okay, question eight. What activity outside of work do you engage in to help you tune your design chops? Well, because of the pandemic, um, I've had to slow down and kind of that's changed a bit. I kind of, it's it's actually been a big blessing in, in disguise because I've kind of got back to like what I, some of my earlier passions in life, which is motorcycles and guitar and golf. Um, those are kind of like been activities I picked back up. Um, I bought a vintage motorcycle, like I'm building into a kind of a scrambler cafe racer style bike. It's an old vintage Honda, um, CB 750. Nice. Um, been working on that kind of like I go out in the garage and kind of just like, you know, it's just a meditation kind of thing to work on that. And I just finished all the wiring, losing my mind working on that. Cause there's kind of not much help out there. <laughs> um, I had to use the guide. I found the, uh, owner's manual, the original owner's manual. That's how I've been able to do it. Um, golfing has been super fun now that it's cold. It's, it can't get out much, but that has been like a really awesome way to just go out in nature and just like walk and mm-hmm. golf. And my wife golfs too. So it's been fun to get right. out together and with friends and it's um, solitary uh, enough. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like there's no problems in the world too. Like it seems like all is well when you're out there, you know, um, yeah. and guitar, like getting back into music. I played uh, guitar all growing up and just had gotten away from it since high school ended so you know it's probably been like nine years I'm 30 now so yeah it's been really fun to play again like what what genre of guitar music i love like folk music lately actually oldies like old school like my like the 70s music my dad used to listen to like james taylor and um, cat america stevens. yeah cat stevens i'm gonna play some of his songs too then the stuff i grew up on like jack johnson and john mayer and then there's some folk music like mandolin orange and some different and like Western guitar, like old school Western guitar. I played a little of that. So pretty ADD with the music, but yeah, it's been fun. All right. So shifting back to the future, what do you think will be trendy in 2021? I think what's going to be trendy is a lot of the things that were trendy during 2020 because we're still locked down. And by that, I mean like home fitness, like we got a Peloton before the, lockdown because we were having a baby and and we just got it so i was like well it might be good to have a little gym set up at home so i got like some dumbbells and kettlebells and a peloton and then pandemic hit and we were like so glad we had this little workout experience and they've just done such an amazing job that company um so yeah i think we're gonna see a lot more like home fitness stuff um more athleisure wear (laughs) like like lounge wear by um you know, companies like Nike, Lululemon, and mm-hmm. you know, all the big companies and small companies are going to make stuff that is probably mostly used at homes. And um, so basically pretty much products that are really useful at home a lot in 2021. And then, because yeah. um, a lot of the stuff shut down right now. So that's my prediction. 
I think it's a good one. You know, it's easy, it's easy to think that, um, 2020 will be over and everything will be better, but it's like, yeah, we're still going to be working in our basements in, until, you know, April May at this rate. So. Right. I mean, what's good. Sounds like a vaccine's on the way. So we might be coming out of the COVID era, which is cool, but yeah. there's, what about you? What do you think? So trendy, I wanted to ask you that. I've thought about this answer and it is doom scrolling. Um, okay. So, but kind of on that note, the next question is about, um, a trend that we, that you hope dies in 2021 is, do you have a prediction for something that will kind of like fall away in 2021? Uh, there's a lot of graphic, like a, like a lot of like Instagram design trends, you know, I think are like not people's real design, you know, like I've always, um, been sick of seeing like in the ID sketch category on social media, like staplers and like really just like lame objects being sketched in like neon colors that's been around for a long time, but I'm not into it. Right. Yeah. Like kind of o- overdone. The one, the, the, the one, the thing that bugs me is like overdone perspectives. Yeah. Really straight, like really intensely like skewed. skewed. And just like super, super cartoony. And like maybe a sta- stapler is not supposed to be cartoony. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's get to the next question, which is question 11, the inspiration question. Where do you find inspiration? I try to find inspiration um, through places that aren't design, like like, like like outside of my field. You know, like in the travel space, I try to look at you know other other industries, other interesting places. Like for aesthetics, I really love like um, race cars and like I, like mil- some there's some cool military gear. Um, it's just so, I, I like to look outside of the field and get inspiration. So you're not just copying other stuff. Like I really try to avoid looking at competitors for inspiration because then subcon your subconscious will just do a lot of what they did. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. I, I had, there's a design mentor of mine who kind of one time sent me a design inspiration that he had and it was super cool. It was like this military helicopter and it was like a flight medic jacket and it was stuff that was for like an overlanding. Um, project and I, I thought like the, his in, inspiration was really was really tasteful and, and, and unique because it wasn't like competitors and just what they were doing um, mm. so I'm, I'm trying to look outside you know like this book on Japanese craft and focusing on pottery right. like that's been super inspiring to just see um, just subtle things does that translate well for you like um, when you're kind of making a case to your I guess to like your superiors or your managers um, in, in trying to sell like a design or a design aesthetic, um, do kind of pulling out, pulling some of those outside influences, like help, help your case. For sure. For sure. Because it kind of puts a story around it of what inspired it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a big thing last year was, you know, the past few years has been travel. Um, it's, I've been able to do some domestic travel, like road trips and stuff, but, um, I get a lot of inspiration from traveling too, especially being in the travel space. Like I've always enjoyed international airports, watching the styles and what yeah. other, what, you know, like fashion bags and, you know, like what other countries are doing and how they're wearing bags. Um, that's been a really cool thing to watch. That's the design trend or the trend that I hope dies in 2021 is not traveling. Yeah, I know. I want it so bad. Do you have a secret weapon? Secret weapon? I think I, I thought about this one. Um, I, I think I have an audibility to 
take on um, a, a heavy workload without it debilitating me and causing me crazy anxiety. I, I yeah. have an ability to like, sit, you know, say the work is always there and I'll, I'll get out. Of it. I, need, I need a break and I'll come back to it. Um, and then I can move really fast when I need to get it done and, and pump out a lot of ideas. I think those have been a, a strength I've realized over the last few years. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. That's impressive. You almost like don't want to let an employer know that's your secret weapon. Cause they'll use it. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's also a way I find inspiration. Like I I've always had of some type of freelance or, um, my like my own I do my, I have a few passive income ventures and, and freelance always on the side because I think it keeps me that it keeps me fresh and kind of looking at other products and things so it keeps you from getting stale yeah smart okay so let's get into some of these uh practice more practice related questions um so the first of those is kind of like a more serious question about like nerves um how you know first of all do you get nervous and then if so how do you deal with your nerves yeah. And I, I totally get nervous and everyone does, you know, and it seems like the buzzword of the day is anxiety, you know, and everyone's going through it at some level, but, um, you know, I don't, not to get too deep, but like, you know, like I said, my dad died when I was 12 and, you know, seeing him die in like his lower forties, um, mid forties, I guess. Um, wow. and having accomplished a lot, I think he had done a ton of cool things. I mean, he said he wished he could have accomplished so much more of his bigger goals he had set. And that just made me like realize like I need to not let the petty things in life bog me down too much and just charge ahead doing stuff I really enjoy and love, you know, and being able to, and part of that's, you know, family time and like getting outside and going on trips and like making sure I'm still skiing and biking and doing the stuff that like I love, you know, and living as well as, cause the work's always there, you know, as designers, like we are very good at being busy and stressed and, and of course, um, so I, 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 I deal with my nerves by trying to keep a healthy perspective, you know, like if I were to die, you know, in 10 years, like, am I doing all the stuff I hope I would be doing? That's, yeah. that's nice. That's a good, good, like anecdote and, and spending time with your family. It's, that's been, um, kind of a nice, um, I guess byproduct of the, this year pandemic quarantine is like a lot of family time and, it's really precious, especially if you have kids. I have I have a four year old and a seven year old, and it's been like a really precious time. Um, do you you have a brand new baby, right? Is yeah, that your first? yeah. He was, yeah, it's my first as a boy. Um, little Porter, that's his name. Um, he was born in the middle of the pandemic, so I was the only one allowed in the hospital room with my wife, and it was actually kind of nice. It was wow. weird not having family there and stuff, but it was nice because it was just we weren't being like no one was barging in and. I wasn't having to show the baby to everyone and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of unique circumstance. Yeah. That's super interesting. Okay. Um, next question, question 14. Um, what advice would you give your younger designer self? I think patience is, is one of the biggest ones that is, it's hard to hear. And it's like, you hear it from everyone and no one wants to hear that, but it's true. Like, like before this call, we were talking about how education is just super important. Like take that time to, enjoy like just a massive library of books and time to just like soak everything in that you're interested in, you know? Yeah. Um, it's so easy to be, um, like, uh, anxious and angsty when, when you're, when you've just graduated and, you know, feel like you need to like get everything sorted out and get your perfect job. And it's just like, uh, just relax. It's not going to happen. You know, you're, totally. you're not, 
you're not going to be where you want to be right away. So you might as well just enjoy the, the, the journey. I know. No one wants to hear it. And especially when you're going through it, but it's good yeah. to slow down for sure. And I, I tend to move very fast. And so um, I'm always trying to work on slowing down and making sure I, cause that, that will affect my design process in it for the, in the negative, if I don't slow down enough to ask the critical questions and do the research and whatnot. So I like that. It's just general advice. Yeah. Slow down. You can. Uh-huh. All right. So what rituals or routines enhance your creative process? I'm curious. I have like I exercise, waking up, making sure I exercise daily at some point, whether it's early morning, if I have a busy day, um, that helps with nerves as well. Um, yeah. and then I have like before I, I really like, um, different like mental cognition drinks. Um, like there's a, I like yerba mate and, um, like the South American tea. Um, cause it doesn't make you too jittery, but also has caffeine and, um, theobromine and, and stuff that, you know, it helps you focus. And I also like lion's mane. Have you heard of lion's mane? It's a mushroom. It increases no. cognitive, cognitive function. And so I mix lion's mane with, um, either yerba mate or green tea or something. And, um, okay. I really like to have sip on that when I'm getting into it. I have a little, um, like when it's focus time, like I got really got to get in the flow state. I like to have some type of caffeine, <laughs> um, like I just said, and I have a little, um, what is it called? A uh, little mister. What are those? Okay. A little mister that I put some essential oils in. I have like the blend right now. Um, I try to do the same blend for like when it's focus time, but same one every time so that it gets my, like, like Pavlov's dog. I'm like in, <laughs> puts me in like yeah. grind mode. Um, and then I kind of used to it and ready. Yeah. Uh-huh, the kind uh-huh. of pathways, you know, yep. spark for sure. Um, and I like to start with a sketch. Some, what's funny, a lot of my, um, Instagram sketches have started as like stuff I'll post is it started as like a little creative warm up. Um, mm. cause what I've noticed is that sketching will calm my mind. It's like a lot, a lot of times I'll get to work with my, I'll have listened to like a podcast or something and music or whatever. And my mind will be racing and what kind of, stops my mind and quiets it down to think clearly is, is sketching. Um, so yeah, once I get like my desk set up, um, then I'll, I'll try to do, try to find time for sketching. Um, and then I'll jump into whatever work I have. And I, I turn my phone off too. That's been a big one. Um, I've been joking that like turning my phone off, it's like Adderall because it just, that's the main, main distraction is really my phone. Like that's what's causing all my issues. I've been realizing it's like getting away from that thing. Then I'll just like have it, you know, just pick it up and start swiping through something. And then it can be like our true reward if you're like, okay, I I got through three hours, now I can, you know, yeah, now I can yeah, you look forward to it. Totally. Lions mean I I wrote that down because I'm I, I need to look that up. But wh- wh- can you find that at like the regular supermarket or there's a company called um Four Sigmatic and they have like a Lions Mane coffee in Whole Foods I saw. Um but yeah, there's a bunch like like all basically all the natural food stores like uh Good Earth, um, Natural Grocers, and Whole Foods, and Sprouts. Like they all have Lions Mane in some form. Mm-hmm. And you can just add it to whatever drink you want. And it's crazy. You'll have to tell them what you think. But um, it's like it gives your brain a little hug. I don't know. I, I can't explain it, but it helps oh. me focus. And it, I guess it increases oxygen to the brain too. So oh. it helps you wake up. I need that for sure. Yeah. It's, you know, in like the winter days when you just feel, some days you just feel foggy and just like, ugh. Um, it helps 
for sure. Yeah. Okay. So next question, do you have tricks for getting out of a rut? Yeah. Tricks for getting out of a rut. Exercise is one of them. Like what's your poison? What, what, what's your favorite exercise? I, I mean, I, I, I coached CrossFit for a few years, like for years and I, I definitely like kettlebells and dumbbells and just hard training. And I just go deal with myself <laughs> for whatever, you know, time frame it is. Um, go sweat it out. I heard a great quote from a, a strength coach. He said, if you wait to train or to work out when you feel good, you'll train twice a year. And I try to remember that. Like, it's just good to go push through it some days and just get feeling better, especially in Salt Lake. We have the inversion in the winter and it can be gross. Um, so working out is a quick one. And then also making sure to get up in the mountains because you get above the inversion and you get vitamin D and sun and you feel positive, And that's a huge one. Um, exercise and outdoors hundred percent. That's how I get out of a rut. And, and a lot of times I get those ideas too, like doing something hard, just like out, you know, working, just like, just putting my body through the paces. I get a lot of ideas doing that too. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm same. Like usually like mile five, mile, mile six is where like, you know, ideas start flowing. And then I forget that I'm running. Nice. What do you think the future of design entails for us as designers, but just uh, maybe, you know, what we might see in the design world. I think it does require that we're more and more um, multidisciplinary. And I think it's important to have multiple streams of income as a designer. I think the future design will, like the ones who succeed, will have more streams of income and um, will have taken more control of what they're doing because there's so much, um, it's so easy to communicate now um, with Zoom probably staying and you know, I've, I've done work for clients in Canada and, um, worked with people in Asia and it's crazy how we can just jump on our computer and, and talk to anyone. Um, so I think, yeah, multi multidisciplinary designers who, um, can handle a lot of, can, can bring new ideas and move quickly. And, you know, I don't think AI will replace you if you're the one making the ideas. What you said about multiple streams is interesting too, you know, like, not, not just dabbling in like maybe, you know, co-owning companies and also being a designer, but like that being like an integral part of your, of your, you know, portfolio and your day, your, your year is like, ha you know, having skin in the game, but also being, being, you know, consultant and then also being like an advisor. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. From older designers, the ones I've looked up to, they all seem to have multiple streams going. They're consulting for some, a brand and some company and doing some, side work and they have, they have ownership in some company. It just seems like the ones who are getting to the top and, and finding financial freedom are doing that, you know, and, and I don't know if that's for everyone, but, um, I think the future of a design where a des design work where you are more in control of your life is, is like that. As an optimistic person, do you, do you have a part of the design process that, that you don't like? Like what's your least favorite part? Oh man. So like, it's fun to make the ideas and do all the ideation and prototype and then finally get like your first tech pack, say of like a bag or apparel or whatever out the door. And then it's when you get a sample back and it sucks and you have to take a ton of pictures of it and then draw a bunch of arrows explaining all the wrong yeah. problems with it. I hate that. Oh, make a so detailed tedious. PowerPoint. Yes. Yeah. I, I hate it so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, but it's like, it's an, you have to do it. It's just part of the game. Um, you know, that's so, hard. Cause you, you would think like re, you know, rehashing the tech pack or the construction document would be the worst, but I, yeah, that's even, that's even harder. Like referring to 
the photos and like the old sample and the new sample and then something a detail from the tech pack right that's where the you know the rubber meets the road there yeah that's where all the magic happens you know you have to see the physical thing and you realize a lot of your ideas on paper don't work and you have to work it out so it's the most important, but it's, it's, it's just painful. And that's why like right now we can't go to Asia and that we used to go to, you know, Vietnam and sit in the factory for two weeks with them. And because they can literally just, we can sit there and show them and draw on the sample and they'll have it done. And again, in you know, four or five days. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's just so invaluable because you can do three samples in two weeks or two samples in two weeks, you know, where usually that takes two months. So we'll get back there. Yeah, we will. Bide our time. Be strong. Question 19, what do you wish other designers would do? Like, do you have advice for, for other designers? If designers could um, be better at um, taking control or I guess taking more power back by getting ownership on freelance gigs or um, get it doing more things for passive income to earn more of their kind of their freedom. So they don't, they're not so stuck to hourly work. Um, I think that would be, that would be huge. That's something I've really been trying to do and it's, it's, it's been paying off and um it's just kind of like I, just being more assertive um, especially for introverted yeah. designers um not everyone's like that but I, I think that's something especially as the young if there's design students hearing that like as they get into the workforce um just I, I think don't be afraid to set boundaries and make sure you get what you want out of the deal too yeah be proactive i like you kind of alluded to like side hustles you know get, getting your own getting your own projects running. Okay. So last question, question 20, what, uh, okay. You know, we got to address Salt Lake city. Um, so what, or sorry, where is your happy place in Salt Lake city uh, outside of, outside of like your home or office? I love little Conwood Canyon. I go ski touring up there a lot and I've always skied at Alta ski resort. That's like my little happy place all up in that Canyon, just hiking around in there, skiing, hiking. Yeah. I, lo- I love it up there. I, I'm a snowboarder, so I'm, I'm jealous when I hear people like enjoying Alta. Cause it seems like <laughs> such a, I know it's such crazy. A they don't know all snowboarders, but they're holding to it. Yeah. Well, it's good for you guys. <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, a little, a little Salt Lake city love and you know, Salt Lake area love and we love the mountains for sure. Um, so don't forget, it's kind of like a reminder. It's, it's cool to like talk to you. Um, it sounds like you get get in the mountains quite a bit. And so it's a reminder for the rest of us, you know, it's like take advantage of uh, what we have here. Yeah, for sure. Get out of the pollution. There's a, a yeah. beautiful world above it. <laughs> and, and, and out of our basements. Yeah. Out of our basements. I know. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for, for joining me for 20 questions. And thanks, yeah, it was rad to kind of pick your brain a little bit and um, yeah, just stay safe out there. Yeah. Let's uh, get out on a hike or something. Go ski. Yeah, definitely. And that's something we could do with masks. And Absolutely. All right, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Aaron. Talk to you soon. See ya.